0: You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. we I
1: mean, are doing today? It's exciting.
0: Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding.
1: But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love.
0: So we believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end.
2: French fries, a firm ice cream, macaroni and cheese, whipped cream. It went from one slave kitchen around the world. My name is Ashbel McElveen. I know that there's a ghost in America's kitchen because he visited me. James Hemmings.
1: People don't know who James Hemings is because he was a slave and
2: he did not fit the mold. Every Southern chef, every single one of them has the granddaddy, James Hemmings. James Hemmings was Thomas Jefferson's brother-in-law, but also his enslaved property. With the training
3: that basically no American chef had at the time.
1: I
2: think he was murdered.
1: When you're honest about this complicated history, all of a sudden, this American narrative makes more sense.
2: James Hemmings is America's Culinary Founding Father.
1: Hello, Be The Bridge community. I am so excited um, to have for you actually two fellow bridge builders. And we're going to talk about a documentary um, that was released on Prime Video. We'll give you all the information because I want you guys to see this documentary. we, have, we just passed Thanksgiving, uh, we're coming up on Christmas, and there is history to everything. And I'm telling you, there is um, American history, but better yet, Black history and everything in this country and these two brilliant people that i have um as guests on the be the bridge podcast is going to tell you about some of that brilliance um i have anthony weirhan on the the podcast and he is actually the the director of the film and then the writer um, i have um chef ash bell all you have to do is just google him You know, we always tell you that. Just Google him and see the brilliance. And he has an incredible story. And they have put together a beautiful documentary um, about um, a culinary genius that little, um, m- most of us don't know about because we have changed the narratives of so many stories. And that's why it's so important the work that we do here at Be the Bridge as it relates to r- uh, racial literacy, the work that we do in truth telling, because we want to make sure that we're passing on the correct information to the next generation because stories matter narratives matter history matters who has power matters Um, who tells the story it all matters and so um chef um i have you here i know you're in the uk right now um promoting the um the film But I am just elated to have you here and to talk about not just um, the brilliance of James Hemmings, but your brilliance, Anthony's brilliance, and um, really telling true stories that really correct um, history that has really um, pulled away, um, you know, just national heroes. Like these are hidden stories, but they don't have to be hidden, you know, um, you know, and they're creating modern stories. So I would love for you to just tell us a little bit about the ghost in the kitchen and who the first question is, who is James Hemings? I know some people are recognizing the name. Um, you heard me say Thomas Jefferson, but I just want um, you to just reiterate um, who he is and why he's important.
2: Yeah, uh, James Hemmings, was born in Virginia um, to an enslaved mother, Betty Hemings, and uh, her white owner, um, John Wales. And uh, he became the property of Thomas Jefferson when Jefferson married John Wales's daughter, Martha. So James was half-brother to Jefferson's wife Martha and became his property at about seven or eight, I guess, uh, when um, John uh, Wales died. Everything went to uh, the man, of course, which would be Thomas Jefferson. And so everybody's heard the famous name of Sally Hemings, um, who had six children by Jefferson um, that had, you know, been disputed in history, but now proven as DNA is enduring. And um, <laughs> Thank God for DNA, <laughs> yeah. And 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 yeah. and, uh, and we're blessed to have um, Shannon uh, Lanier, who is a descendant of both James Hemings and of Thomas Jefferson uh, and mm. Sally Hemings. So Sally Hemings was the youngest sister of James Hemings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, James Hemings was first Jefferson's valet as a teenager. So he was actually in the room at the signing of the Declaration of Independence. He was actually in the room when the Constitution was being debated and discussed. Um, and that's, that's when you, when people wrap their head around that, the what well, yeah, because, you know, people of Jefferson's men of Jefferson's standing at that time had to be attended at all times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They had to be, they didn't go up and get themselves a glass of water or a cup of tea or coffee or, or a drink of cider. Um, That was all brought to them. (laughs) <laughs> right. and uh and, and we see james a in that crucial function of first uh ballet when he was a teenager and traveled with Jefferson he and his brother um uh Robert um uh and um having uh Jefferson, when he was appointed uh, to the uh American uh, delegation in France um, mm-hmm. that that uh, Ben Franklin was heading, mm-hmm. uh, when he was appointed to that delegation by George Washington, he took 19-year-old James Hemings mm. to learn the craft of uh, becoming a French chef.
3: Mm.
2: And, uh, and James Hemings actually so excelled that um, that task um, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I began to just look at the, all of the, the bits and pieces of, of how he uh, negotiated learning another language, ended up mm-hmm. speaking and writing it fluently,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and for him to come from colonial Virginia in Richmond where there was only one house made of brick, Mm. And to arrive in Paris and to be trained at the Chateau Chantilly, mm. the best table in France, you know where the food was considered better than the food at Versailles, he literally landed on the moon wow. into a sophisticated, the most sophisticated city in Western Europe um, that had over uh, a half million uh, population. When mm-hmm. sleepy Richmond had about four or five hundred in population, mm-hmm. so that's the kind of perspective that um, that we start to want to look at James Hemings and his contribution to American food and drink. Um, after he completed his um, his uh, training at the Chateau Chantilly, he took over. Uh, being the chef at Jefferson's residence on the Champs Elysees. Mm. And that was the first American official diplomatic residence. And James Hennings supervised a staff of 10 French speaking cooks and helpers. And he was the heart of Jefferson's English only salons mm. that were famous where he invited the, the leaders of the Enlightenment because he was the darling of the Enlightenment. And, um, and he also invited royalty. And they had the most discerning palates in Paris at the time. And they all loved his food. And that was the first weaponization of James Hemings's talent by Thomas Jefferson. But we can get into a lot more of that a little later
1: okay wow yeah. wow i am so excited to hear about this it's gonna when you guys are sitting around your table eating i hope you think about this you know as you're eating um this food that is connected to history um and not just um um black history but american history and i i, I just want to talk to you anthony just for a moment i'm going to come back to you um chef ashbell um Anthony, why Anthony, I know you were in a be the bridge group. Um, your wife was the co-leader. Um That's it was right. it was in New Jersey, right?
4: That's right. South Jersey.
1: Yeah. We have, listen, we have Be the Bridge groups all over this country, including um about um, I think it's about thirteen or fourteen globally. Um, and we're in thirteen or fourteen um um global um Um, countries and so this you know there's so many stories connected so when we can hear a story um, connected to some of the work that you're doing and how you're walking out bridge building in your life um, that's incredible um, to to, you know to be able to tie that back into that work and so um, how did you hear about this documentary um Um, How has it impacted you? So I know that you are a producer, a director. You've um, led a little bit, um, led several films as it relates to civil rights. Um, I would love just to hear a little bit about who you are and how you um, came to be connected to Chef Ashbell.
4: It's um, It's been quite the journey. And I really do think that God is at the center of it because when there's too many coincidences in your life, you have to look at yeah. them as something other than coincidences. Um, so I, I went where the breadcrumbs led me. And as you mentioned, I, I worked with Comcast and still am on Voices of the Civil Rights Movement, which is a very large civil rights collection. So I, you you have an ear for that. I had a, a passion for finding lost history and completing narratives. It just, you know, so when, when things cross my path that I don't know about, but I should, I can't help but be intrigued. I found out about James Hemmings um, through a friend of mine who was actually interested in writing a, a script for a narrative piece about James Hemmings. And he asked me to, to collaborate with him. I, I started to research Hemings, and I was mystified at the fact that I had not heard of him before. I'd heard of Sally Hemings. But you've got this guy who is taken from this small Virginia world, as Ashbel mentioned, taken over to Paris, where, where the you know it is this big bustling alien culture to him. He excels, becomes America's first master sh- master chef, saves Jefferson in Paris, which is a whole another story, but is is uh, very very crucial in preserving America's reputation abroad at a time when we very much needed to preserve that reputation. Then he comes back to America, and he is the reason that French fries, macaroni and cheese, firm ice cream, whipped cream—he's the reason that these things are disseminated and become the, you know, the classics that they are today. He's such an interesting, interesting character, so deep and 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 rich, and yet unknown. That just um, almost felt a little creepy to me. It was it was strange. It's a glitch in the matrix. So. I was interested in the James Hemings character. And then a friend of mine, um, Steve Granados, who is a, a wonderful uh, and talented man who works in various different arenas of the film universe. I overhear him talking on, on on set for a commercial project about, you know, I just hear words in the background. I hear the James Hemings Society. And my head flips around. Did you mention James Hemmings? And he's telling somebody about his buddy, Ashbell, Chef Ashbell McElveen, who is the 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 founder of the James Hemings Society? So my jaw drops to the floor because you just don't encounter a lot of people who are familiar with this James Hemings story. I told him that I'm, you know working on a very early project. I don't even know what it's going to be, but I'm very interested in this James Hemings person. Ashbell and I had coffee, and we were off to the races. I think that we both sort of felt a um, uh, we we've always felt a spiritual duty since that initial meeting to do something, to get this out. And we didn't necessarily know it was going to be a documentary at first because um, there's a lot of different things and there will be a lot more content you know, relating to the James Hemings story. But that is just where um, spiritually we were kind of led. Certain windows opened, other ones closed and you just keep moving. And by the grace of God, we were able to actually get something done um, without having to compromise Mm. the story. It's uh it, wow. it's a long journey to, to get know. one of these things without a, yeah. a big formal partnership yeah. to get them out into the world. So to see it now on Prime Video, it's um uh, yeah. yeah. I mean it's needs to is... say
2: very delicately is like we did it on nothing. On yeah. faith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, wow. we did it on faith and I uh, love it. and very little money and and support blessed to have the support of people that that just looked and said oh what are you working on oh okay well my fee is two grand a day but oh no i'm gonna you know that's okay okay but i'm gonna be a part of this i'm gonna donate my services and that's how this hobbled piece it was by divine order that this thing has happened this. Wow. And, um, and I am both humbled and, uh, and understand the blessing and the favor of mm. having completed this.
1: Yeah. Um, I so, know.
2: yeah, just
1: even your story alone, like, you know, a lot of us, when we birth things, you know, even like be the bridge, um, just this foundation that you've birth there was impact there's a story connected to that happening for you and i know in the documentary we hear we get to see a little bit about your background but i without giving it all away, i want because i want people to go and you know purchase the the film on prime video and watch it you can purchase it or you can rent it but um in a part of your story you were born in i think sumter um south carolina right yes yes and um and yeah. And what year were you
2: born? I was born in 1950. Into yes. The the last modern version of chattel slavery, Jim Crow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, you were born, uh, I think, three years before, two years before my father. So that okay. age yeah yeah so i know i understand that age you were born into i mean jim crow segregation there were yeah, little yeah. opportunities yeah, and one I, story that you told i want you to tell it um which one you tell the story i think this because it seems like this was a turning point for you um you know your mother um was a uh, was a cook um yeah. your father also um um was I think I think your father was um, involved in cooking too. Yes,
3: yes,
1: and uh, owned a restaurant or something. And um, but you tell the story about your mom, and um, I think have going into cardiac arrest. And could you just tell that that story and and how this kind of sets you set the course for um, just really this destiny? Um, yeah, as a as a chef
2: well um uh just uh, uh, while we were filming this in Sumter south carolina um i had the well, we had the pleasure of meeting my brother, my mother's uh close friend mr Jerry Williams mm-hmm. who was ninety three years old at the time mm-hmm. and uh he, he we did a table session with him but he he didn't appear in the in the documentary uh mm-hmm. but he introduced me to my mother when she was a young cook working in a kitchen mm. and he was the guy delivering um, wood and coal for the stoves mm. and he said one day that he arrived in this kitchen and one of the old ladies that were that one of the head cooks had gone to my mother and said, "Re um, can you taste this and tell me if it's okay?" And he said he was so shocked that the tables traditionally, every you go to the old lady to say taste this and let me know if it's okay, but here was the roles reversed, and that he was so shocked to see that that um, that he said to himself, I've got to know who that woman is. And I would not have known that if it wasn't for Mr. Jerry Williams. Okay, and that is it was it was so pivotal in 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 understanding who my mother was long before her children were born, and uh, and that she had a, a long life training and working as a chef. Um, and when she was thirty nine years old. Um, she had a heart attack. Um, this was 1963. And she had a heart attack, and we called the ambulance, of course. And uh, so the whites only ambulance from the hospital, from Toomey Hospital in South Carolina, arrives at our house. And they come inside and see that she is black. And the attendant said, we can't put her in here. And y'all called the, uh, one of the funeral homes. Well, there were two black funeral homes in a town of, I don't know, about 20,000 people at the time. And, um, And they each had an ambulance, but they were out helping other people's sick relatives, et cetera. So they left because they could not, they would not put her in a whites only ambulance and we you know did what we could and um put cold compresses on her and and uh, and watched her uh, life slip away and that um that was a very impactful moment but i knew then that i was not going to be gonna harbor that as a horror that I would be living my life as a tribute to what my mother taught me, and it was love. That was what she put in my heart. And, um, and I am very proud to say that I have not let her down. So this is, um, it's a, a real kind of tragic part of American history. But if it wasn't for my family, it wouldn't. If it wasn't my family, it would have been somebody else's family. And the the curious thing is nowadays, with so many uh, young people unaware of our history, and so many lies being told, and so much escapism, um, I know that um, I've been being literally set in motion by God by divine order even when I didn't understand what was going on Mm -hmm. I was set in motion to be building the bridge table for this moment Mm. Um, I had the opportunity to cook for Nelson Mandela when when he came to Brooklyn at the Salem Baptist Church and, uh, and when he came into the kitchen, because I couldn't get out of the kitchen because so many people and you're doing the food, he came right into the kitchen and he hugged me. He said, brother, that was so good. That was so good. What was that? I said, that was just poor people's love. That's what it was. Mm. That's all it was. And I'll never forget that. And now I understand his truth and reconciliation. Mm. and my table is about that i understand that that's my bridge wow yeah so
1: i i this is so powerful like i just wanted to even pause in in that moment and i'm glad thank you for sharing um your family story i know that is um difficult so we we lament that um But it's good for us to remind people of that history um, because that was in 1963. And there's a lot of people who are listening to this podcast where either their parents or themselves um, were born um, during that time. So this is recent history. And um, I I had heard the story um, and you just, I I had almost forgotten that how funeral homes, um, you know, because you know, graves were segregated, funeral homes were segregated, um, and how funeral homes, the um, the hearse, would serve as ambulances a yes. lot of time to the Black community. That is even why um, in California, why those, one of the missions of the Black Panthers was to have ambulance service into our communities because people were dying because they would call 911 and their area was not serviced. So I think uh, we, we have to know that history, lament that history, and yeah. we have to know it because we have to make sure that it's not repeated. Um, yeah. One of the things I wanted you both of you talked about, um, you know, you you mentioned this, you said, you know, that Hemings, James Hemings, Um, that he returned to America when he could have freed himself in Paris. And you both talked about how um, he protected, basically, America's um, secret. And I wanted to, you explained this a little bit in the documentary, but could you explain this a little bit?
2: Yes. Um, When they arrived in France, France didn't have chattel slavery and nor did... um, uh, England at that time, uh, although chattel slavery did exist in Spain up until the uh, 1880s. Mm-hmm. But in France and England, there was no... Slavery was outlawed. But the colonies, right. their colonies still had slavery. Um, so, the, the you were forbidden to bring slaves into or enslaved people into France mm-hmm. without declaring them. So mm-hmm. Jefferson hired a lawyer to get advice on what he should do because he had not declared James Hennings. And James being the literate person he was, he ended up being in a community of three to five thousand black people, if you can imagine all in one neighborhood not spread all over paris but all in one neighborhood and they were all free people and all he had to do was to walk into the uh admiralty court and declare his freedom and not one declaration was denied okay but if he had done that jefferson And uh, Thomas Jefferson and and Adams and Ben Franklin would have been pariahs overnight. They would have been shunned because the tenets of the Enlightenment was vehemently anti-slavery. And that was the secret that James Hemings held and protected the fragile credit of the U.S., because Ben Franklin, in particular, was in Paris to raise money from rich old dowagers
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, to uh, finance one the war between England and America, and uh, which was financed by the French. Yeah, and uh, and it was uh, Franklin's job to. Um, to keep that money rolling and to um, help to establish a fragile credit for the U.S. And James knew all of that, knew that if he declared his freedom in France, um, it would have destroyed the reputations overnight of the American delegation. Overnight. So nobody would have come to Jefferson's uh, uh, salons. Um they literally would have been shut because that was um the the anti slavery of of um ethos um was very powerful. And uh, and they would not have been able to survive that. So that's
1: and if he had come forward, like it would have like diminished that and then the money could have stopped.
2: Oh, the money would have
4: stopped. <laughs> would have stopped. History would be very different. History would be very different.
1: If you've been enjoying and learning from the Be The Bridge podcast, we invite you to join us in this work. You can support and sustain our mission as a recurring partner at com forward slash give. You can also help spread this word of bridge building by supporting and really sporting our apparel. So if you haven't gotten your Be The Bridge hat, sweatshirt, all of the things, let's take the message to the street. Visit our online store at shop.bethebridge.com and make sure we're spreading the word about all the work that Be The Bridge is doing and will do. At Be The Bridge, we're doing the work to empower people and culture toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial reconciliation. And this work is only possible because of the generosity of bridge builders like you. So, thank you so much for those of you who are listening and sharing our podcast, sharing our posts, those of you who are giving to this work um, that's helping us create resources and material um, that will transform hearts. Um, so, join us at be the bridge.com forward slash give and let's continue to build bridges together. Thank you so much. Anthony, what do you think when you heard this, like, and researching this? Um, I mean, what did you think about James? Because I have so many feelings, like, because it's not just this story, but there's so many stories like this. And, you know, I think about even as recent history where we had, um, you know, um, some of the marginalized communities, like our indigenous community and, you um, Um, Asian American community, um, African American community fighting in wars like, you know, the Korean War, um, Vietnam, the Civil War, you know, fighting for um, um, our country when our country would not fight for us.
2: Um, Well, that was, that was just, let me just, just stick on that point. That was from the inception. Mm hmm. Okay, don't forget Christmas Addicts was the first to fall. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and he wasn't the only one in that crowd. And, the, and he, he was for, the only Black person in that crowd.
1: Right. Can you yeah. tell who that is be- for people who are listening? Because remember, yeah. we were educated in this American system, and so most people, when they hear about him, they don't know that he was a Black man. <laughs> yeah, so,
2: yeah. Well, Christmas <laughs> Addicts was the... Was in the 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 small mob protesting um, British soldiers in Boston, and when those soldiers famously fired on the on that mob uh, 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 assembly, uh, it was a protest on um, the tea tax, mm-hmm. and uh, and when that that those group of protesters assembled. Christmas addicts was among them, and there were several other blacks among in that mm-hmm. group too mm-hmm. and when the British fired, Christmas addicts was the first person killed mm. and he was recognized for probably fifty or sixty years very, very well by. Uh, colonial governments, and, and et cetera. There was all kinds of stories. And he's also faded in into history, um, uh, but he was celebrated by George Washington and Ben Franklin and all of the founding fathers
3: mm-hmm.
2: as a hero. And how did it be that can it be in, in our current uh, political climate that that's not something that's being told, but everybody else is hijacking Patriot, and yeah, we did this and we did that. When you know, I you know, I I literally came to England and uh, I spent fifteen years living in England and about ten years living in France. And one of the reasons I came to England was to to look in the faces of the people that had come from England and to look at their mama and them mm. and see how they acted. okay? And I, I know that's Southernism, but yeah. it, but <laughs> it was you are the product of what your mama and them taught you. Mm. and them mm. means community and family, okay. Mm. Um, so uh, when an old Southerner like me says in them, Mm. is meaning your family and friends and the culture you were raised in. Um, Mm. So uh, all of this for me... You just took us to
1: school with that because I say it all the time. I say, you just took us to school with that. We got (laughs) to pause, say la, because um, I use that, your mom and them, all the time. But because I know it, like all of them, but to to put that, that meaning community, like yes that's that's powerful right there
2: <laughs> well, mm. well, that is um that you know that just helped me inform and to listen to the the spirits of the people that came before me mm. and I have a particular indebtedness to um all of those have sacrificed and came before us. And and that's why I'm I'm so glad to meet Anthony because he's literally a brother from another mother. I love it. <laughs> and, I love it. And we we vibe both spiritually and artistically in a way that um that helped to to make this uh project happen. And you know, one of the um I had a comment from um, actually an African director who said, well, well, this is a black story. Why you got a white guy um, directing it? Why didn't you have a black director? I said, mm. this is the American story. This is about all of us. Mm. And don't give me that kind of divisive crap because this is American history and we're all have a responsibility to share its true history. Yeah. And on the yeah. culinary side, you know, for me, you know, it, it went from, I come from the generation that, um, you know, that vibe with James Brown, I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm a soul man. And that's where soul yeah. food, the term soul food, came out of that empowerment mm. um, mm-hmm. back in the late uh 60s and, and early 70s, and mm-hmm. to to really take that and go through the you know making this document with James Hemings, I discovered that literally enslaved black cooks and chefs created fine dining in America. So mm-hmm. James Hemings literally put fine taste in in thomas jefferson's mouth not the reverse Mm. Mm. and that's the value of this documentary in 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 what you know and his story can't be told in an hour and and there's all the projects in the works to kind of answer more of your questions Mm so um but yeah
4: James uh, mm. he, he really did I it, it's one of the great contributions that just goes unnoticed. Um, he is mm. responsible for giving Jefferson one of his best social weapons and social capital builders which mm. with that charm offensive. He had the finest chef in this country. James by all accounts um, you know a lot of the folks in the film in a very um, articulate mm. and holistic way, point you to the fact that james was phenomenal at what he did and when you look at things like the the assumption dinner where we decided to you know make Mm. dc the capital and all this this great compromise that shaped modern america james cooked that meal Mm. um and this is after choosing to come back to the united states in an act of you know faith to family and you know genuine patriotism, uh, agape patriotism. I don't even know what to call it. I mean, but like the same with Christmas addicts. It's hard to, it is a selfless
3: mm.
4: kind yeah. of, of love to to give that mm. to a place that hasn't given it to you. It's hard to even mm-hmm. fully understand it. Mm-hmm. And we all know Paul Revere's Midnight Ride, right? There's a lot of things mm-hmm. that kids, kids leave school knowing about that early American period and that revolutionary period. James's story is up there with any of them, Um, and it it really is uh, important that we tell this history because I do Mm -hmm. think that God gives people great talent to bring Mm -hmm. glory to himself. We have to acknowledge greatness when we see it, especially it is done in such a a selfless way that has benefited all of us. James Hemmings was a big Mm -hmm. part of this country's formation. And for some reason that story has been oppressed for a couple hundred years. It's just this little, you know, this little blurb, um, but it's, it's much bigger. And Ashbell, as he mentioned, it is a, yeah, a much I, bigger story. I want
1: to get to that. Um, because uh, I then, definitely want to know
4: what's There will be more about James Hennings. I have you know, no doubt. Every time
1: that- when we hear like taking these hidden stories, um, and bringing them to life, um, and telling this truth, it's empowering not just for um, our community, but for um, America. I mean, because these are people who have contributed to um, America, American culture. Um, you know, they're they're heroes in their own way. You know, um, and how they contributed, and it's just basically acknowledging, acknowledging, and being inclusive in the fact that saying, giving people the, their their right um rightful do in the sense where um you are a part of this society you are seeing you have you are a patriot you know where he could have blew everything up like i mean just one decision he could have blown it up and i know some people listening to this story now and even as i listen to this story i'm like what would what what would i do and and yeah. i'm i'm gonna say i would have i would have burnt it down like you know in the <laughs> sense where if i could taste freedom and I'm up here you know in another country cooking this meal so it it shows you you know like he he was seeing something Um, Greater, and then we also don't know what was he had family still in the U.S., so we don't know. And we're very collective as a community, so I'm pretty sure he was um, thinking about that because one of the first things we see um, after the civil rights, um, um, excuse me, after the civil war, were people um, African Americans looking for their loved ones that have been sold, and so that connectiveness I can understand why he, you know, kept kept quiet. But one of the one question I have, because I want to uh, um there was a few people in the the film that I want to um you know ask you about but what is why is this this story relevant today um you know to those who are listening and how this why is history um important all of history all of American history which is inclusive of indigenous history, um, you know, Latin history, Asian American history, African American history. Why is this important to tell?
2: Well, yeah. uh huh. It, yeah. it literally has never been more relevant. And, it, it has never you been know, more Anthony relevant. Anthony touched on a point, <laughs> and is the the reason why these stories are not being told is racism. Okay. Mm-hmm. There is Period. a racial bias to mm-hmm. giving the actual creators credit mm. for um, for things that they built and 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 carried in America. And when you were just talking about your reaction to, um, well, I would have burnt it down. Well, I I want to share a story with you. Okay, I was sitting in the causeway alone in front of the 1790s kitchen at Monticello.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was raging, having a raging conversation with myself because I had mm-hmm. seen a white female chef on YouTube cooking in that kitchen, James Hemings' recipe for snow eggs. I mm-hmm. was besides myself. While sitting there in front of the kitchen, I was raging. I was like, whoa, my God, she was never there. Her family was never there. What are they doing there? Who let her in this kitchen? Mm. And what I got back was a very strong wave. Mm. I don't know. I won't say ghosts or spirits or whatever, but I got clearly the information. The strong wave that came back to me was, first, this is not about you. This is about us, and mm. this is what we did here, what we did here, we did with to the best of our ability and with pride mm. in spite of our circumstances. Mm. And from that day forward, I understood that any chef of pink, yellow, orange, purple, blue, black, white, any chef of any standing and respect should go to that kitchen and flakes. Mm-hmm. Because that is the first cooking school in America. Mm-hmm. And from that kitchen, dishes that James Hemings brought back from Paris, like french fries and macaroni and cheese and whipped cream, they went around the world not mm. from the country of origin but from that enslaved kitchen and yeah. that's the power of james Hammond's story mm. and uh, and and the reason why it must be told
3: yeah. Mm.
4: Yeah. you know there's a, a tendency now for people to to treat history as if it's mm. a choice right um yes This group has their history. That group has theirs as well. i choose to look at, but I I think that that's dangerous. Um, There's one history. There isn't a black history and a white history. Something either happened or it didn't. And it happened this way. We can have opinions about a lot of things, but I think it's really, really important to Mm -hmm. acknowledge the, the the holistic version of history, the whole thing. Um, And, and, we need to flex that muscle and get that muscle stronger as a people. Our kids need to see that. Yeah. We can't look at yeah. at facts and real things like like they're liquid, malleable things yeah. happen. And, yeah. uh, and and James is Every every right. meal in this country is served with French fries, right? Or at least most of them. Yeah. And yeah. as you mentioned earlier, and there's so Tasha, much beauty in the story. Like that, there's um, a great you know, story we, to be told. It's a great you dinner see, conversa- like, conversation the starter. The
1: smokiness <laughs> and the you know um, the ashes, like. But then there's so much beauty in the, from his choices, from what he built. And then um, just hearing you, Ashbell, like just your story and how from that brokenness, beauty has come from that. And then so many people I saw within this documentary, I think there was a, you know, how we're building our own tables. And this one lady who was a chef who felt unseen and just like from the. Um, you know the techniques that she was being taught, like nothing, like none of her connectiveness to her people were a part of the story that's being told yeah. as she's being trained, and um, and she's decided to research the history. So I think it's the Black History of Culinary Arts or something. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. What was her Therese name?
1: Nelson,
2: Chef Therese Nelson. Yes, yes. Who was amazing? Like just,
1: yeah Black and then, then michael history. twitty uh, whos yes. i mean some people may recognize his name and he's been in several documentaries um and the, the, he's like a food historian mm-hmm. yes. Um and and just just brilliance all throughout the the film and i and i'm so glad when i'm when i'm listening to both of you i'm like this is what god does you know like mm-hmm. you know the <laughs> telling of this story is going to inspire um, young chefs. And, you know, they're going to see that, hey, I do belong in this. This this is inclusive of me also. The same way when we talk about STEM and hearing, um, you know, um, the, um, the stories, I'm, I'm forgetting her name, Katherine Johnson, you know, yeah. um, right now, hearing that story of mm-hmm. Katherine Johnson is imperative because people can say she did it. With all of these limitations and and, and barriers, yeah. what more can I do? So when we give people credit, and so that's when it goes back to the um racist tendency, because one of the things that um that was stated in the film, and we know this to be true just throughout history, that um in order to um to um you know, I guess I can't in order for um, Black people to remain enslaved, um, there was a dumbing down that like there was no soul. Uh, We were um, impossible to educate. We were basically considered chattel, um, animals. And so if you had someone that was um, like a, a James Hemming or in so many others, like a Frederick Douglass who, you know, was enslaved, but one of the most brilliant writers that <clears throat> that we have, and so many others, W. E. Du Bois, like so many people. Um, that was a way of justifying um the act of um of enslavement. And I think with without that narrative, I think sometimes now when we when we refuse to tell these stories, what are we afraid of?
2: Well, I got it. What tell are you, we what, afraid of? I I, I the, the fear is literally very simple to me. The fear is that we would do to the people that did to us. What they did to us if we yeah. were in power—that's yeah. the mortal fear.
1: Yeah, that's the the vengeance yeah. that that vengeance story. Yeah. But like, wh- and and but what is the fear of telling the truth in history? Because it's empowering for one thing, yeah. You know, and it changes. It 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 changes. Um, people are transformed through truth. The truth makes us free. Yeah. And so th- there's this fear of uh, of losing power, and and then we have to look at who's afraid of losing losing power, yeah. and how this is a racist ideology. Yeah. So we should be, as you know, believers. We should be freeing ourselves of that type of ideology. So this is why I love um, these stories, and I'm 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 grateful um, for you, Anthony. Um, one of the things that we communicate in our bridge building work is um, for um, those who are are, are learning um, through racial literacy, um, is to listen, to listen to the voices that have been marginalized. Yeah. To listen to our stories, to listen to our experiences, to learn, to educate yourself. I, I see how you've done that through this story. You were already like amazing learning about this. And then God would bring you and Ashbel together. You know, this was something you were learning and leaning into these stories as you've done um, with civil rights. And then, um, you know, to <laughs> lament to lament that history to 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 have sorrow but lament um should lead us toward um justice you know to to you know to 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 lifting us up to lifting us out and and then you're leveraging you're leveraging your skills ashbell has a skill of storytelling um um of of education of um of the, the craft, the culinary artist um, you know, all these giftings. And then you have this gifting of being a producer, a director, you know, a writer. And then you, you mirror those together and you have this beautiful story. And that is how you leverage your privilege. And um, so I'm grateful for um, this story. What is next for the James Simmons story?
4: Well, we okay. we hope that uh, it it continues to do well on Amazon Prime Video. It's being released internationally. It's already out in in a lot of countries and continuing mm-hmm. to roll out. And it's a big story. I mean, Ashbell is working on a uh, another piece inspired by James Hemmings. I don't think that this is going to stop. We're both very very driven. And Ashbell, I think you yeah. are probably the world's foremost expert in in the. The, the soul of, not just the history of it, there's something about the way Ashbell connects to James that is truly unique and his own, and I think that mm-hmm. is going to continue um, to motivate it, 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 um, as projects I, in the narrative in space and, and possibly back in the documentary space, but maybe with a slightly me different focus.
2: a very unintended um, mm-hmm. benefit of having made the film. Uh, I attended, um, was invited to uh, a tasting dinner by a young um, um, British African chef, um, where he served the tasting menu of eleven courses from his British Nigerian route, British and Nigerian roots, and uh, there was an Asian, by uh, uh, Asian by mean uh, uh, East African um, uh, Somalier, whose mm-hmm. family. Um, were settled in Tanzania, and she was a mm-hmm. Um and it, it was such an incredible experience because what James Haynes' story gave them, where in Europe, where there was no chattel slavery, and that African Americans are still dealing with the psychological effects of, of of that horror, but in Europe, in that part of the African diaspora, that wasn't so but what was so was the racism the Mm -hmm. racism but what they see in James Hennings was that what James Hennings established in uh, 1785 or 6 in Paris was a standard of creative excellence Mm. that other people of color has followed and they can now point to having a black person from the diaspora mm-hmm. have the 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 history of putting them with 200 and, over 235 years or 230 years of excellence in Europe, where they're always being told, "Go back to where you come from." Mm-hmm. okay but here they can say oh oh I I was there I was excellent and I did somebody that looked like me was respected to the max there's a current film out oh well it's, it's coming out in April it's called Chevalier and mm-hmm. it's about the story of Joseph Bologna who um who was, instrumental in James Hemmings' life in Paris. Mm -hmm. And he was the Michael Jackson of his time. And also the best swordsman in France and the best shot. And he was a music teacher. He and uh, Mozart had the same music teacher, but his concertos came out months before Mozart's. And he's known Mm -hmm. as the Black Mozart. But that will give you the the flavor of where James Hennings was. It was so mm. far from 12 Years of Slave. Mm. It was at the pinnacle of the excellence in France with these two black men. Mm. And, uh, and that is something that, you know, Bridgerton on Netflix has shown us the appetite mm. for seeing dark people in places of power and respect in Europe. Well, James Mm. Hemmings set the standard that Josephine Baker and James Baldwin and Richard Wright and and Bricktop, all Mm. of them followed that standard of creative excellence Mm. that wasn't available in their own country. Paul Robeson in England, um, starring in Othello in 1928. He would have been hung in America if he starred opposite a white woman uh, in Othello. But he did that in 1928 in London. Mm. And he went on to, uh, to do several fundraisers to establish the current Labour Party in Britain. Mm-hmm. All because of him, Paul Robson. Mm-hmm. Those are the histories that of African Americans in Europe that not only enriched the countries that they lived in outside of America, like England and France, but they enriched the world. And those mm-hmm. are the untold stories that are so important um, that we share. And so well, what's next is for the James Hemmings story is the examination of those five years in Paris of James Hemings, where he had his own money. He took extra uh, advanced lessons from, from famous, very famous pastry chefs to hone his craft. And he also hired a tutor to teach him the French that was spoken at court. So he had aspirations mm. in France, too. Mm. So, you know, this these stories must be told. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, Bridgerton's a big hit on Netflix, but it's a thin history. Yeah. This yeah. one is when you see the, the history of our first Supreme Court Chief Justice and his enslaved uh, uh, maid Abigail. Whom he and Ben Franklin wanted to teach a lesson by by putting her in a French prison because she'd walked away on the advice of an English woman who said, You could have your freedom. But because she didn't speak French, she didn't know how. But she walked away, and they two of them hunted her down, found her, and to teach her a lesson they put her in a French jail to teach her a lesson. Well, she got sick and ended up dying because of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, but, uh, but, uh, but our first chief justice went on to be chief justice of the Supreme Court. So all of these things are, are historic and documented. Mm -hmm. And, America in particular at this moment needs to know these stories.
1: Right, right. Yeah. So, and I think it's our job to um it's it's difficult and it's hard um but I think it's a part of our job oh, to yes. spotlight these stories to tell these stories to 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 fight um and to fight back um educationally. Um, to make sure, but being very strategic with it. It's is so funny. I was just thinking this morning um, about a program that um, I used to be in charge of years ago um, and it was um, an educational program. And we used to tutor um, uh, children and in, 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 in particularly um, um, underserved communities and then also, um, um, help, um, black students as it relates to the SAT and different things like that. And I just really thought about, uh, um, that this morning about how, how do we bring that back? You know, we're, we're not just depending on the school system, um, to do this because most of us were educated in the American school system. And this, th- these things are not, um, taught, they probably will never be taught in certain, in certain States. Um, but we can, reimagine and dream of other ways um to tell these stories you know because as long as we have breath in our body um you know um there is opportunity there is a way as long as we are breathing you can do something so sometimes those little ideas um you know those little create creativities like people who we all have different gifts that gift may be the vehicle um for for transformation and so um thank you both um for using um your gift um for um transformation and telling these stories and as I, I can listen to you all day chef ashville like you know like i'm like okay who was the lady what was the lady what did they do like, and it's like so many stories like i could just be a student and i could just just so many stories so my prayer is that um all of these stories that you have and um, of high importance um, will would would get done, and um, that this um, film would be so successful that um others want to would want to hear cuz people want to hear this if you can see, you can see um from the um the ratings of of shows of of stories and documentaries like this that people want to hear and i know this film um uh, was the best documentary feature at the roxbury international film festival um and then it was like official selection um it looks like at a um at the cannes um can, can you um, tell me yeah. a little bit
2: yeah the Which film one was Festival that?
1: in France, yes. Okay, okay. Um, so film festival in France. And so um, you know, if if France is interested <laughs> in our stories, uh, we should be interested in our stories. But one thing um I just wanna help me with this because you guys may know. I um I also read about um, and it may have been in a documentary, I can't remember, um, about Hercules was another chef.
2: Yes. Hercules uh, Posey. Know- yeah, Hercules Posey was George Washington's chef. Mm-hmm. And uh, he and James Hemings literally bought mm-hmm. fine Virginia plantation cooking to an urban setting, first Philadelphia, and then New York. And it was the first fine dining experience with that particular fusion of English, Irish, and Scottish with some Native American and a a dash of French and a dash of German. But the Africans that took that pot and stirred it with herbs and spices and honed that fusion into a cuisine. Mm. That is the basis of what James Hemings took to Paris to fuse with fine French cuisine, creating the style of, of, of dining that Jefferson preferred, half French and half virginia mm. And even though he didn't get to be the chef in the White House, his three mm. students did. Mm. Ursula Granger, uh, Edith Fawcett and uh, Francis Hearn. Mm. They were taught. They were taken to the White House when Jefferson refused to write James Hemings. What he asked for was a letter of invitation, and he didn't. Jefferson didn't want to write a letter to a black man for posterity's mm. purposes. Um, so he brought those three women to the White House to teach the white chef that he did write a letter of invitation to James's style of cooking. So James had the last laugh.
1: Mm. Yeah. So we will reclaim those (laughs) stories. We will uplift those stories and tell those stories. Um, And I think that is... um, That's a show of resistance, um, and it's also um, a a show of love. What I would want to know from you, Anthony, and then from um, you, Chef Ashbell, what are are some things right now that's giving you hope? Anthony, what is something that's giving you hope? Mm. Mm Mm-hmm.
4: You know, I uh, I really do th- things like Be the Bridge, and not mm. to be, obviously, this is the platform that we're on. But when I did that group, and you have honest conversations with people, and you see an appetite to do the work, um, and the, some of the reactions that we've gotten to the film, and even just informal conversations I've had with mm. people about it, and you see people leaning into the discomfort of accepting these narratives. You asked earlier, why, why mm-hmm. is it that there is a resistance to these stories and to this kind of lost history? And it popped into my head. We always have to fight some of our more base instincts, right? So I have three little kids. Mm-hmm. And if one of them has some kind of an achievement, <laughs> has a real good basketball game or gets a good report card, <laughs> you can see the other two get uncomfortable. You can see the other two it's trying to figure out how they can even the score, bring them down a notch. Now, obviously, one of them getting Mm. a good report card doesn't do anything to the others. Just because somebody Mm. goes up doesn't mean that you go down. Mm. But there is something innately in us that seems to think otherwise. You know, it is that uh, the sinful nature of man. So I think that that happens with history, too. And people hear somebody like Mm. James Hemmings being exalted, being lifted up. They think somehow Mm. that that takes them, their history, even though there's only one history, and and moves it down. And that is, um, we're never going to get anywhere if that's the way that we think. And you can't change everybody. Mm. But I have seen a lot of people. Um, yeah, a, yeah. as you will, and be the, be the bridge groups across the country, across yeah. the world, who are leaning into the ribbon, The remnant, as the I
1: call it, the remnant. And
4: that's going <laughs> to change the world. The road. Road. Yeah. It yeah. It's, um, <laughs> you know, a small group yeah. here, there. So I am excited that... Uh, yes. Right? Yes. And the young, the young people, yeah. the young people I'm very yeah. excited about. And we I have and a gen the, the Gen Z crowd uh, are the some hope. of the most receptive to hearing uh-huh. this stuff. So that it, makes it me feel incredibly hopeful about
2: on Tuesday in Georgia mm-hmm. um, and at the midterms. And mm-hmm. that gives me solace.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That gives me hope. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that there are so many that want to hear this, that want to know these stories, that want to be included, I'd love to come back to you and and explain that right at the first Thanksgiving dinner, it was Pocahontas literally looking through the bushes in a natural water, but seeing the, uh, the illegal aliens to her country cannibalize themselves because they were so afraid to eat anything that they didn't bring from England. Mm-hmm. So it's been proven that they, that group cannibalized themselves. And what Pocahontas did was bring the food, fed them. It wasn't the other way around, but that's the traditional history. Oh yeah, the pilgrims were were sharing their food with the <laughs> native, no, they were not. Right. They were right. starving and she, Provided them with food. And what was the repayment? The repayment was that very night. The people she fed as a thank you went and stole the corn that the Native Americans had put up for winter. They went and stole the corn. That's gratitude, but it definitely points out some traits in our mm. country that go back from its inception
3: mm.
2: from the inception of the landing of those illegal aliens in Virginia mm. to now so wow. I, anyway I could yes I the, the, I'm so grateful tasha that you have invited us to to start to um, have these conversations then I hope that you have us back Two. I I want to have a video. I'm like this the podcast is not enough. <laughs> we need a video. Um,
1: I'm I'm working on the, my second book, and okay. um, I'm just saying like you guys have so many stories, and and so we need to do a video. And so I, I'm definitely gonna be in touch. I'm so glad um, for the work that both of you are doing. I'm glad that our paths have. Um, I'm glad that you're building bridges in your own way, in your own industry, within your industry and keep up, um, the good work. We are grateful to have you, uh, on the Be the Bridge podcast and to hear your story. And I think it's just a beautiful picture of bridge building with you, Anthony, as a person that is white and, um, with you, Chef Eshebal, um, Bell, sorry, I done gave you a new name, oh, that's, <laughs> uh,
2: that's With so you, like, Shub, well, that's what uh, my family in in England calls me, Ashbahal. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, with you,
1: Ashbel. <laughs> um, just um, just hearing your story and um, <laughs> y- you're working um to have this like both of you together as a uh, African American men t- um working together um. And, and telling these stories. So uh, we will have all the thing in, things in the transcript for you guys to know where you can watch this film. Um, and really, as you're sitting around, um, as you prepare for um, your cr- Christmas dinner, or if you've already had it, I'm not sure when this is coming out, or either New Year's, or either if it's Black History Month or Women's History Month, which I know this will be out before then. But when you, I hope that you will be reminded as you eat and partake of, of, of different cuisines, um, the history that is connected with that and how important it is for us to have a narrative of truth in this country. Um because it helps us lead, live freely. Um and it really um it's it's it helps us to lean into um what reconciliation is and what reco- um, restoration um, looks like. So thank you so much, um Anthony and Chef Ashbell um for coming on the Breathe Bridge podcast. Um this is just the beginning of more conversations to come. And um, we look forward to all the work um, that you are doing. And if you heard something in this um, um this podcast, make sure you when we post that you you comment on um on the post and tell us um, you know what you're processing um, with this Uh, we want to hear back from you Um, so um, we we hope that this podcast is um, educating you Um, make sure that you share this podcast and make sure that you tell other people about james hemmings ghost in the kitchen Um, this is a beautiful um, documentary on prime video and I'm grateful for streaming um, streaming services that we have because it allows um, films like yours, you know, to to um, go into production and to for people to see them without some of the bottlenecks that we've done with dealt with before, before we had streaming services. So, you know, this technology, as technology increases, uh, we can um, utilize them to tell more stories. So I'm grateful for that. So thank you so much for joining us on the Be The Bridge podcast.
4: And thank
0: you for having
4: us. Thank you so much, Tasha. It really has been a pleasure.
0: Go to the donors table if you'd like to hear the unedited version of this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lawrence C. Brown is the senior producer.
3: And transcribed by Sarah Conitzer.
0: Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production.